what's going on guys it is time for another episode of the chasing waypoints podcast and well whew, dakar 2023 went off and man there was a lot of stuff going on and definitely a great event very very challenging nobody has said that it was an easy event that it was a walk in the park but to bring that home a little bit better we're talking to the dakar competitors the guys that lined up and went out and took on the challenge and well if you read the show title we're gonna go with episode 99 for this one why 99 because we have none other than mason klein on this one competitor number nine race number number nine so i am absolutely stoked to be talking to him and a little bit about his dakar adventure so with that being said let me go ahead and flip this open here and see if we can get him on the horn really quick that was a perfect i missed the perfect opportunity to fade that out just so perfect what's in the garage wrenching right now getting that moto minded tower installed let's uh let's give him a call hey Victor. mason what's going on sir not too much just hanging out very nice hanging out getting ready to go to carter's first round of the heron hound series that he's gonna win there you go. He's got that red plate, right? Yeah. Looks good. <laughs> Very nice. Where's that at? Uh, Johnson Valley, Dad. Yeah. Yeah, Johnson Valley. Oh, okay. That's not that far for you guys, right? Yeah, not too bad. My dad says good morning. Yeah, morning. Morning, morning. So are, are you guys back, like, back on Pacific Coast time, or are you still waking up in the wee hours? I woke up at 8 today. And I really wanted to wake up early and go to a restaurant called Homemade. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, man. I'm pretty much back on. My dad says he's good to go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> on the plane, when you're coming back to uh, kind of get started on the readjustment. My dad's like the best. Uh, yeah. Yeah, had you had you properly fed and everything. Yeah. Dro drove the motorhome. It almost seems like the motorhome race was tougher than the than the real race. <laughs> yeah, explain that, Dad. Yeah, no, that was just a lot of waking up early to get the breakfast made and all his hydration and his morning hammer pills. So I was taking like hundred pills, but I I actually, you know. Wasn't quite that. Very surprised. I didn't lose weight at this race. I gained weight. Oh wow! Yeah. So I was eating proper, and let's just let's just think it's all muscle because I feel like I had him a little too well. I don't have a floppy <laughs> belly. I'm like skinny, but I'm 170 something pounds, and I went there at like 165. All right. It's good. Oh, uh, so you, so so it's almost like going to the gym and working out. <laughs> yeah this time yeah yeah how did that uh compare to the previous did you lose weight at the last dakar yeah so at the last dakar i lost like 15 pounds Ooh. but i'm thinking it's probably has something to do with the fact that i had covid the whole race mm. 
and this year I didn't get sick until coming home. Oh, wow. But there's a lot of people that were sick. Like, I think you just, you work so hard and your body just can't fight the virus, you know? Yeah, it's using all its energy to do what you're doing. Yeah. Dude, that's that's crazy. Yeah, I, I was actually talking to Mo earlier and he was saying the same thing. I guess the, the bivouac hack is a, is, a, is a thing. People getting kind of sick and not feeling the best. Yeah. Yeah, everybody started coughing. Immediately when we got there, I was like, just stay away from everyone. Yeah. Isolate and, and make it happen. When I got out of the race, that's when I started hanging out with everybody. I was like, okay, now we can have fun. <laughs> and then that's when it happened. Yeah. Makes sense. Nice. Yeah. So last last year, lost weight. This year didn't lose as much weight. Uh this year I remember we were talking in the in the the conversation that never happened because I'm just going to chalk it up to I screwed up and I didn't hit record. I'm not going to blame the equipment. Uh, uh, extreme ownership. So the conversation that never happened, we were talking about that, that you last year learned, you know, learned a lot. And but you came home right away with a game plan of what you were going to do uh, to build speed. Yep. Um, so this year, before the race even started, mm-hmm. I knew I was lacking in a few areas. Like I knew I'm not going to win the car this year because. Like, I think it was possible to win, but I think I wasn't, it's not a guarantee win. And I know exactly why, because when I go to the race, I'm like, yep, he'd he'd always have better fitness just for the dunes. Like on one stage I came in and I said, I just slowed down. Like I, I couldn't hold the same speed Mm -hmm. because just get tired. It's so much dunes for so long. I I can only imagine then muscling the bike around and not. Yeah. So, um, strategy. I never learned about like building a base, cycling or endurance or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. my brother and I we kind of just go as hard as we possibly can every time we're in the gym, mm-hmm. every time we're on a bicycle. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's just like not the right way to do it. So, we're gonna start first with that, like building a base working on our endurance um because i learned clearly you can always have better endurance but i also knew that before the race started um and i think you can always have stronger legs in the dunes my upper body didn't hurt so bad i mean it hurts because i crashed but it doesn't hurt from like from riding so i think like i mean i'm going in the right direction with working out and in the gym it just could always be better and lastly is in the dunes obviously you could always be better i could always be better i could always be better everywhere obviously but the reason why i wouldn't win the car this year is because i need to work on my speed in the dunes and i obviously the only way i know how to do that would be to go to the dunes so that's the plan for this year is to do as many dunes as possible now that was when we were talking first of all, I mean, this is awesome because you're, you know, it's like, all right, their car's done. I know what I need to focus on. I'm, I'm moving on that. What we talked about previously, you were working the, from the last year, what you had learned, I think you were, you were mentioning is, is working more on the speed side of it and being more comfortable at speed. Yeah. And so that obviously showed at this Dakar. 
stage win, yeah, sure. <laughs> stage win, yeah. challenging up at the top. I love the fact that you were opening stages, which was awesome. Yeah, I. You know what? At first, I was really disappointed in the time bonusing, mm-hmm. but obviously, it helped a good amount. Mm-hmm. Like if I start the stage and I open first, I finish third. Like it was perfect. Yeah, it, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't fall as as far back. Yeah, I go whole four hundred kilometer stage without getting caught by Skylar. I was really proud of myself because the stage wasn't super easy to navigate. And yeah, and to have a clean run. Yeah, I was happy. <laughs> so I'm sure once again, just like last year, you raised a lot of eyebrows. <laughs> There's a lot of people, <laughs> which is awesome. I mean. And that was something that we had. I was, it was funny because I, I got this thing going and it's actually uploading all of the podcast episodes from the beginning. It's uploading it to YouTube automatically. And I was at work and your episode came in the one that you, we talked before you went to the Dakar mm-hmm. the first year. And I was listening to that and we very specifically talked about you opening stages And, you know, like I, you know, I just feel focused. I feel concentrated. I feel, you know, it's like you, you enjoyed it when everybody else is like, "Mm, I don't want to open a stage. Yeah. So it it was awesome to see so many people were like that, that I was talking to in some of the conversations that I was seeing, well, he's opening the stage, you know, I don't know. I'm going, nah, he's not as nervous opening stages or he's not as like at a disadvantage of a lot of people. Yeah. Last year I got to open one stage for, I mean in and out for, I don't know, 300 something kilometers. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, I got to do 400 kilometers just all by myself. And it was like dream come true. So that was awesome. And then I think the stage I started third, I also opened most of the stage with Skylar and Daniel. Mm-hmm. I mean, not most of it, but like I got to do a lot of work. So good chunk. I caught them for the refuel and I got to get some of that time, like the first opener guy bonus. It's like more bonus time for starting third. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was like everything I could ever wanted. Nice. So how, so, okay. So in the end, after the dust is settled, the bonus time thing, you think it should stick around? Should it be more time, less time? So I think most people were like happy with the time bonus for opening, mm-hmm. like the third. Mm-hmm. They were not so happy with the Dune opening time. Like they wish it was more because it's obvious that you lose unit. It's like the time bonus I figured out for like the Rocky stages does not work in the dune stages. It needs to be more. Gotcha. The, the dune navigation being slower, right? Yeah. Apparently, like, I guess I would have never guessed. I thought it was easier, but you lose more time in the dunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, they got something right. Yeah. You know, it's better than limiting tires. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, that speed limit thing. Yeah. I know multiple people, including myself, that crashed at like 100 miles an hour. So. That's that's an interesting one for sure. Because now you're, when you put a speed limit like that, now obviously now you know, if you were on a dry lake bed and you know your bike is capable of doing 105 or Mm -hmm. 110 flat out on a dry lake bed, it's safe. Right. I mean, relatively, but now, now you look can, down and if there's any danger on the dry lake bed, it doesn't matter because you're looking at your handlebars, not at the danger. Yes, because you're trying to be right on that. 
then you also know that if you just thinking out loud, right? If you know your bike is capable of 110, right? And this isn't the whole rally, but if it's not capable of 110, you know you won't make up time on that dry lake bed. So that means yeah. everywhere else, you need to be on the speed limit. Yeah. Including in sections that you really shouldn't be on the speed limit, but you kind of have to be because you know the guys in front of you are. The guys yeah, are sending so it. A twisty turn's coming up, and I'm trying to stay at this, the max speed, and turns out that turns a bit more sharp than you expect and you blow the turn and get crazy. Yeah. Cause you were trying to milk every second out of it. It's, that it's, only happened once, but yeah, it's like in, in the Sandy stuff, you know, mm-hmm. there's so, on some of the days the ruts were so deep and you come into like wide open flat section into a like super messed up turn. Mm-hmm. Cause there's so many tracks and, get all sketch. Yeah. It gets sketchy really fast. No parts not at the terrain. And like, that's the best example I have, I guess. Of yeah. In sketch. Yeah. So we'll go with a win for the time bonuses. We'll go with a fail for the overall speed limit. Yeah. I, I think that's the answer. Fairly accurate there. The, yeah. so what else, let's see, what else did they, they didn't end up doing the AB road books. No, that was frustrating because I was kind of hoping they would just say nothing and the state would start and it would be an AB roadbook and half the race would go. I mean, the whole race would go the right way, which Mm -hmm. is also the right way. Mm -hmm. And I was just hoping that I'd be the only one to pay attention. Yeah. It never happened. I I, like, I messaged a few people to talk to David Castera, like in secret, you know, for Mm me. Mm -hmm. And I, they said the plan was like stage 12 and 13 secretly and that's, never happened yeah that's, i mean it that's happened deep. But i wasn't aware while and, being there oh and that would have been i mean with with the way that the the rally was going that would have been nuclear like yeah. there would have been some really pissed off people about that because you, they were fighting for seconds yeah i bet that's why right because the race is so close and if it came down to something like that yeah they'd be calling out the organization on that it would probably lead to the stage being thrown out but also, God, they just need to learn how to navigate. That's the most frustrating thing because the stage I crashed, mm-hmm. no one was reading the roadbook. Like everyone kept getting lost. Like after I lost my roadbook, no one was reading the roadbook. They're just it was like one per- it was one person reading the roadbook at a time and everybody following. And that was just so annoying because I had no roadbook and all I could do is follow. Ugh. It's like we just read the roadbook. We could just keep moving, guys. But uh, no. Yeah. yeah. Here, just give me your road book. <laughs> I asked a three fuel. I said, okay, guys, one of you, just give me the road book. Well, I got, we got this. Yeah. After the first cla- crash, um, unlike last year when I hit my head, I forgot how to read the road book. This year, I must have had no problem reading the road book because I guess I got all mad at Ross Branch, even though he's the one stopping to make sure I'm okay. Yeah. And I took off like wide open and. I was the first one to leave the refuel with no road book. Yeah. So it's pretty bad. <laughs> well, I mean, I can, I can imagine the frustration. No. I mean, I'm like, laughing now, but yeah. My brain was not working right. So whatever happened after the crash, I don't know what caused me to crash. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming it's we were looking at the speed limit because I never heard from Ross, but. Ross told Bart and I heard from Bart mm-hmm. that we were going at the limit and I had like a washout. 
from all the rain. Yeah. He said, I'd like to have a head. Look at the helmet. I think he's right. I'd like you to have a head. So, um, at the finish line, I say, this is what happened. I don't remember what happened. This is what happened. Yeah. I don't want to tell the complete wrong story about hitting Ross. And like, no, Ross is just the only one that stopped for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's see, that's crazy. And that, I mean, if he was up behind you and was close enough to see what happened, then obviously, I mean, you go that far, no crash, no incidents. And this was literally what was going to happen by having to constantly check being on the yeah. speed limit. And and if the organization thinks that, uh, you know, well, don't, you know, don't look at the speed limit. Well, <laughs> so you, you, and you know, I stopped looking at the speed limit halfway through the race. Like I remember telling myself, don't look, it's dangerous. But the other, the other thing that I'm thinking about for like why I crashed is I don't know if I crashed right after passing Ross or if I was already ahead of him for a while. Like you can't blame just the speed limit, obviously. Like I understand that, but in the end, I still don't even know exactly why I crashed or I don't have an idea of why I crashed. I think it'd be good to know, like, when I'm practicing and I pass someone or I see someone, then I make mistakes navigating, you know? Because mm-hmm. you're worried about the person around you. Because I'm worried about the other people, like my brother just said. Yeah. I'm losing focus. So, obviously, I was already, something was going on. And I think I remembered, like, I say I think I remember something from the day, but who knows? I could just be making it up. I swear I remember saying, People usually crash when they're around Ross because Ross goes fast too, you know, mm-hmm. you around him. And all you're worried about is going fast and playing follow the leader. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I've, I've seen it in off-road racing. You just follow the yeah. dust light right into the ditch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they screwed up. You follow. But I mean, that's, yeah, it is going to be interesting because it's just there's a reason like say for instance there's a reason why the the repeaters and the road book are so high up on the bike yeah right it's to keep it in your line of sight so you're not looking elsewhere and are able to look in the terrain so yeah maybe i agree with you maybe that wasn't the sole reason but you know it could just have easily been the reason too yeah so but i mean that you know back uh you've been checked out so what's uh yeah, right are you I'm a- <laughs> ready to ride no i hurt everywhere so much like getting in and out of bed is yeah. so painful when i move my legs it like hurts goes straight to my tailbone when i'm riding in the car and we hit any bump i feel like shock straight through my spine it's like it feels like i'm just falling straight to my butt again ouch lexi says i'm the biggest baby but <laughs> it's not a cold <laughs> i don't mean like I don't mean to hurt. No, but I mean you know some re- some recuperation, some, some gym work. I'm sure it'll be. Yeah, be back. My brother and I plans this season. Right, Carter. Yeah, Carter's winning the Hair <laughs> Out Championship, there and go. I'm surviving the dudes. There you go. So that's the point. I'm curious about that. So you've ridden, I mean, you've ridden Sonora, you, you've been around the desert down here in, in California. Are there any dunes that compare to what you were riding out there? Not really, because those are the biggest dunes I've ever rode in my whole life. Oh my gosh. Really? Like the first problem is you look at a wall 
and you say, they went all the way to the top of the wall, the tracks ahead of you. Yeah. Um, every day before this stage, it was always so super steep, even some of the dunes during the day. Like, it's like you're hitting a wall at the bottom of the dune, you know? Ugh. So I'd always come in extra cautious and slow because my neck is already breaking and I'm worried. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to whiplash into a wall. Mm-hmm. But these dunes, they're like the, the transition at the bottom off the dry lake beds was actually super smooth. Mm-hmm. And you saw the cars just, I don't understand. They understand that it was okay to go that fast into the wall like that. I forget what I'm talking about. What were we talking about? Yeah, the the steepness of the dunes. I'm just yeah. picturing lawn darting Nothing. into it. It's so steep. I've never done anything like this. It was, they were so steep, and it just most of them were were okay. But I made it not okay by coming in cautiously and not wanting to hit a wall. I barely ever make it to the top. For sure, I lost a ton of time every day just because you either go right up the dune or you struggle and start going sideways at the dune. You know. Mm-hmm. like halfway up you're like okay i'm barely gonna make it or am i gonna make it oh. and like that's another spot i know i lose time in the dunes is just getting i told skyler and everybody in the race at the refuel mm-hmm. do you know how much time you lose almost making it to the top you know yeah like, the difference between making it up the dune and almost making it or almost not making it is pretty big difference how does that end up i mean i'm 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 dumb when it comes to riding the dunes so i i, I can see you almost make it then you got to either come back around or you got to do something to be able to hit it rather than that last second it would have taken you to just get over the top yeah exactly it's just i mean every situation is going to be different but almost every time we'd come up to a giant dune i would almost not make it you know mm-hmm. so my speed up the dune just confidence coming into the very bottom of the wall it's just it's not there but also it, i feel like it was for safety like it was fair <laughs> but yeah I mean, gnarly you're on i mean i see it like a car i would think like oh okay you got a skid plate and you've got you know these big ass tires you've got a huge contact patch so you could literally send it into the face and all it's going to do is bounce up off of it and then just start going up a yeah. bike is on a very skinny front tire relatively yeah. speaking so if that's too soft, then, you know, it's, you it's just plan. a lawn dart. Yeah, it's literally a face plan into it. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, My I, mom's she has great input also. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Hi, Lisa. Good morning. Everybody's waking up for eating donuts. There you go. <laughs> they're high protein donuts for those playing the home game. Don't worry. They're healthy. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> protein i was gonna we we're gonna go to a restaurant called homemade and have some real some real food but we'll see what happens now how was uh how is that from when you're i, I mean i kind of already know the answer asking, but being in the motorhome and having uh having your dad cook for you versus the the bivouac food from the year before oh i went i ate in the bivouac like twice just because people were there mm-hmm. like i wanted to hang out yeah but i avoided bivouac food after the first day i said i'm done (laughs) another guy um mario flores Mm -hmm. he was driving the motorhome for a rider named francisco arredondo he's won baja like a million times with dalton shirey and a million other people like gnarly guy he finished the car and i didn't so that tells you a lot i think 
they they drove around every day going to all the markets. You know they served camel in what? the bivouac? No. Yeah. And I was asking for camel the whole trip. Like, let's eat camel. Camel burgers coming up. Where are they? Come on, Dad. Where's the camel? <laughs> They're all eating it in the bivouac. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Not every day, obviously, but like... So you can milk camels, you can drink camel milk, and camel meat is like a delicacy. Like a thing. They say, they say it smells, but it tastes really good. Hmm. That sounds like uh, goat. We like birria. We had like lamb chops. So, um, of course, probably not good if the organization hears this. Yeah. But, like, I'm going to sneak all the fancy food I can get. And, like, we go to, like, where the royals eat and stuff, you know? Nice. And on rest day, there's, like, this tent. And our friend from Morocco came mm -hmm. um, for, like, that Moroccan rally something. Yeah. And, like, we got in. I got to meet, like, all the fancy people and got got to eat the good food. What did you say? Nice. And they have good food, just not in the bivouac for what the racers are allowed to eat. You yeah. Know? <laughs> Not for the majority, not for the 9,000 people that they got to serve. <laughs> yeah, so food is good, yeah. but not for me. Yeah. And for anyone else, not for any of the other Americans. It's very different. Just, just the locals, so. Nice. So that's, I mean, so we got the nutrition down. That was a, that was a big one. And that, you know, it's interesting. And all the people that I've talked to about the Dakar, that's always one of the big things is like weight loss during the event. Like being an, an an actual thing. Yeah. So turns out if you don't bring a motor home and have someone cooking you real food, mm -hmm. you're I feel like I was way more competitive just because I was properly nutritionized, you know? Yeah. Like going going next year, the thought of going next year without proper nourishment, my mom says, mm -hmm. it's like you're setting yourself up for failure, you know? Yeah. Because every, I felt okay this year. There was never a stage where I was like, this is this is the hardest day of my life. Last year, the stage, I was like, I don't know if it was stage seven, stage eight. I was like, it's never ending. I don't know if I'm going to make it. This is so hard. I never felt that this year. Yeah. Good. Even where I sat down the whole time, I came in like 40-something. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm having fun. This is good. Like, besides the fact that my brain doesn't work and... I can't ride. I I got to tell you the story about my last day at the Dakar rally. Yeah. So at the start, everybody telling me, just push on, man. You got it. You're going to win. You're starting all the way back here, 20 something. You're going to win the stage. Congrats before it starts. And I said, oh, yeah, watch this. <laughs> I started both feet in the air pointing forward like I'm sitting in a chair, but like, you know, you can imagine just toes up in the air. <laughs> I started off with a no footer. Yeah. I made sure to not roost or make any dust for the start line crew because they've been so kind to me and the whole race, yeah. the whole, the whole race, you know, and I was like, all right, this is my chance to say thank you. Nice. So I cruised away. Mm -hmm. I did get lost right away because again, my brain's not working right. I got lost at kilometer five on this stage. I also got lost the day before, I think. That's why I got 20th and because I couldn't ride. 
So my brain's not working and I'm thinking, let's just try to have fun and follow the tracks like everyone else. Not like everyone else, but yeah, like a, a, a few people. I was making a joke of the race in my head. Yeah. I was like, is it possible to have fun? Can you have fun? Can you pull over and wrench on someone's bike? Yeah. So I, I, the first time I pulled over at the top of a dune, mm-hmm. I was like, I have to go pee. Well, let's go pee. Like I'm not in a hurry. Like nothing matters. Mm-hmm. So then I pee at the top of the dune and I took my phone out. This phone is broken at Apple right now. <laughs> so I don't have the video. Super not good. Like the phone is broken. Oh. It's ruined. But then I was like recording the racers coming by, having fun. And next thing you know, I come across a rider, Niels Theric, I think is how you say his name. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, he was having fuel problems, fuel pump problems, something. Both both pumps no good. Ooh. And I learned very important stuff this race because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so first I told, because it sounded like only one of the pumps was wrong. I gave him an O-ring off fuel transfer line to move the f- gas from the front tanks to the rear, like I told him, to, like like I did. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, "All right, you know what? It was faster for me to just take the tank off." Um, and I was trying to help him, and he was like, "Come on, man, keep going!" Like he thought I was still racing. Yeah. Like, no, man, it's not a race anymore. We're having fun. But anyways, I left him in the desert because he told me to. Yeah. Then we get to the finish means nothing like it's whatever then i get on the road and i come across him on the side of the road i'm like when did you get around me i have no clue don't remember this and the bike is just not running and he has to go so far to the finish like he finished the special and his bike is just not working he feels so bad i think he was fighting for top five rally two and i was like dude i'm here for you so I stayed with him. We changed the fuel pump. I held one of his front tanks up in the air to block the sun because he's just dripping sweat. Because mm-hmm. he's sitting in the sun all day. I don't know how long he sat out there for. Could have been that long because he passed me back quick, I guess. Yeah. And I was like, all right. Good job, dude. See you at the finish. See him again on the side of the road. It wasn't the fuel pump or the fuel injector. Um, and... I remember KTM gave me this fancy plug. It's for the TPIs. And what it does is like, for me, what it does at home is I plug the plug into the diagnostics plug mm-hmm. and it powers up everything. And I can do all the mapping on my brother's race bike, you know? Gotcha. And I was thinking, it's got to be a power issue, some ground, something is not right. I don't know what it is. There's no way both fuel pumps are going out at the same time, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's possible but very but unlikely seems very unlikely. Right. So I plugged in a diagnostics electronics plug to the, to the, the plug right by the ECU and it turned on both fuel pumps and the bike ran perfect all the way back. No way. So if both fuel pumps are going out, they're probably not really going out. You need to be carrying this plug and your life is saved. So that's like a rally hack right there, I guess. Something that I'll probably remember forever. Yeah. And yeah, that's I think that can save a lot of people. But you don't, you don't, you don't just carry that unless 
no one would carry that. Yeah, I was going to say that's kind of a random carry. Like it's not for what it's intended for. Like I'm pretty sure KTM didn't say, hey, by the way, if both your fuel pumps ever go out, plug this in really quick. Yeah, I don't know why they gave it to me. I mean, I'm sure they gave it to me because they're wondering if I was an idiot, the, the stage where I had the water in my gas and maybe it was this and maybe this would have fixed it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it would have fixed it. I have no idea. But um, they gave it to me ever since that stage and I've been carrying it the whole race. And on this day that I'm not racing or I'm having fun, it comes to use. Yeah. So if you race rally... Um, it's probably not so important for a moto guy cause it's probably not good to run with everything powered up like that. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. um, you need to carry the plug for the TPI that goes into the diagnostics thing and, and yeah, run, run it. Yeah. So all the guys with the RFRs that have the multiple fuel pumps. Yeah. You know, they, they want to have, that would be a good spare to have because that's for your on your 500 in Sonora and for some reason it's not working. Cause I also had this problem and I think it would have fixed it. Carter had the problem actually. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it could save a lot of people. It's probably not good that I give away these secrets, right? Like my dad gets mad at me all the time. Like Carter, um, Carter's telling everybody what springs to run for the new bike. Like he's doing all this testing. He's put like 30, 40 hours on his 23 mm-hmm. and we just, we screwed up by giving away all this information. The sauce. Giving away the secret sauce. Yeah, but I feel like it's fair because you it should just be the better rider, you know? You still have to know how to ride. Yeah, you still got to know how to ride. So I feel like Carter and I are not worried about it, and we want people to finish the race. So yeah. you should carry the plug, and- especially because I heard you're racing Sonora, even though you didn't tell me. <laughs> not racing Sonora. I'm actually, uh, it's funny. I I literally just talked to, uh, to Mo and I told him that I'm, I'm looking at signing up for the, uh, SoCal rally with Dan. Okay. So So. my brother will be at a hair down that weekend and Lexi and I want to go because it's like the best rally you can go to. I think it's, um, it's just as good as Morocco without the dunes and it's just as good as Saudi without the dunes like the riding mm-hmm. it's it's, it's nice. like you know and then now his navigation is super good it's really tough earlier in the year um he gave us one of the stages it took us like seven hours with Harth Noah and um Mike Wyden no so, oh, was it that? no yeah, it was yeah Mike or, yeah Mike, oh, Mike was a German no I didn't yeah and Lexi also did it and pretty oh, much so all right. yeah so i'm gonna have to do a lot of road books between now and then <laughs> there, there's i can tell you out there and if you don't start early on whatever stage this was no chance it's gonna be a long I, day we finished we finished and like at the end there was like there's like three notes that were messed up and he was like yeah i never got that far <laughs> 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 like, okay so so he won it on the last ones <laughs> like, yeah, this will work yeah but it was good and the problem is like there's so many new things out there every road book you make is wrong the next year or the next month even oh wow but they just keep putting up more solar panels out there uh, you were there last year right what's up were you there last year no i wasn't i didn't make it 
Yeah. I think you need to be there. Also, I want to talk about something else. Yeah. Shoot. Um, so you know how the snore rally is a world rally now? Yeah. And like they have the national class, whatever. Mm-hmm. If he's allowed to do that, why doesn't like every other rally in the whole world beg to do the same thing? Because I hear so much good things about the Africa Eco Race and the Thousand Dunas. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, why do we keep going Abu Dhabi Desert Challenge? <laughs> yeah. You know? Do different, uh, do different rounds. Or they, all the rounds offer that? They don't right now, right? Uh, no. Like, I think, obviously, Darren Skilton has been working probably harder than anyone. To, like, he want, he's, I heard he's always wanted it to be a world rally. Mm-hmm. But also, he doesn't want it to be changed. You know, like, he wants it to be still run his way. Yeah. Sounds like it's going to be as close as possible to the way he wants it to be run, which is really good. Mm-hmm. I heard that they don't make the road books like Darren doesn't make the road books. The organization makes the road books. Mm-hmm. So that's also going to be interesting. Yeah. That, uh, that one, I don't know. I can confirm that one though. I heard it from him that the organization would do the pro class books and then the national books I think are handled locally. Okay. I didn't know how like hundred percent how it was going to work. Because I know people that ride a 450, 500, I don't know what they're going to be allowed because whatever. Mm-hmm. But no chance that you're going to make a normal length stage on one of those bikes and those dunes. The bikes use so much more gas in Sonora, I think. No. Thank you. Yeah, all, all, all the sand. I, I can go pretty far on the four and a half gallon tank. Picardo gets on the bike and he's like out of gas at kilometer 100. So <laughs> it's on the pipe. That, yeah. That's a, you know, that's an interesting one. I mean, you've, you've both of you guys ride, I mean, different disciplines, the, the sand and fuel, like, do you ride with fuel conservation in mind? So at the car, mm-hmm. um, the team does, um, fuel calculations. Mm-hmm. Like this is how much gas you need in your bike to finish. But then they also add like a couple liters, like two or four liters to whatever number and say, this is how much you need to put in at the refuel. And last year I would always put in the max, like 34 liters, 32, maybe it's 36 in my bike. I have no idea. And I was like, after stage two, obviously my whole brain has changed and I'm like, okay, get more confidence. Let's try to win. And I started actually putting in how much they tell me to put in and I'd be like, okay, this is a good idea. And then, yep, the stages keep going on and I start getting closer and closer to the actual number because I always put like a bit more than whatever they say. Mm-hmm. And then I lost one of the stages. I'm like, I'm not going to finish. And then you start getting stressed out about how much gas you're going to use. And for sure, that's when I would be nervous. Like if I go the wrong way at all, then immediately I'm like, I'm going to run out of gas. Yeah. So but you don't, you forget to remember to worry about gas unless you go the wrong way. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It start then it starts playing its toll. I mean, and you guys carry eight, nine gallons on board, something like that. Yeah. So, or can carry, which is, I mean that, yeah, that's a ton, but across a big stage. Yeah. 
you could get lost in, and especially in the sand. It's one thing to say yeah. it's a hundred kilometer stage. It's a whole nother of what the bike is actually going to use when it's all sand dunes. Yeah. The, the stage that Sanders like was the most sick, mm-hmm. or I think he like, he just didn't come in cause he had to go to the bathroom. Right. Mm-hmm. Like he's dying. Yeah. Um, I was sure people are going to run out of gas. It was that and bad. So, um, I don't remember which stage it was, but the heroes ran out of gas. Ah, yes, I did hear about that. There were, I think it was two stages that they ended up having fuel or two is either two stages or two bike, both bikes running out. So the heroes, I can tell you right now Mm -hmm. are the fastest bikes out there. Really? And I wonder if it's just, I don't know how much gas they have. I'm sure. hmm. Well, I'm sure they carry how much they're supposed to carry. Yeah. But they don't have something figured out yeah it may be i wonder if it's just like a mapping thing (laughs) they got all the horsepower and all the top end but it's just thirsty more than it should be yeah but they're they're fast bikes nice but yeah it's just crazy like you work all year and then there's always something that happens at the car right yeah yeah i mean that i mean everybody that's You've seen it. I mean, we saw it at least, you know, sitting, doing the bench racing, right? Watching you guys do all of this. And, and there's just so much. The, the one that got me was the early, the earlier stage with all the rain mm-hmm. and, and that rocky terrain. Yeah. Like I was, I mean, I was like, oh, dude, this is, this is playing right into, you know, you, Skyler, uh, Jacob. This is playing into your guys' hands because those rough, rocky stages. But then, you know, I didn't Skyler even. Skyler yeah. had no no rain, not one drop. Really? And Jake, we talked to Jake Argyright, and he said he was coming in in the pouring rain at night. Like, we barely finished in the right time. Like, we got so lucky. And got out in Pro- front of it. Top 10 had no rain. Nice. And other people had rain since, like, the refuel. Yeah. Did you get any hero dirt, though? I mean, had it rained, and then you just didn't get any yeah. rain? For sure. So that's the other thing. I guess I've never done it in a car where the first week wasn't perfect dirt, mm-hmm. which is also frustrating for someone like me who like my navigation is supposed to be like my strength. Right. Mm-hmm. And if I am opening and I feel like I put down a perfect track for everyone to see most of the time, except for when you make that whatever mistake. Yeah. So when it comes to like luck, which I feel like the car is a lot of luck to win, you know, um, my year will be the year that they don't have perfect dirt. And, uh, maybe we do the mirrored routes and I think we have a good chance. Uh, but yeah, I only ride in the wet dirt apparently at the car. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's your luck. And then you lay it down. I mean, the, the good, what I see from that is, is that, that nobody will be able to argue the point that you know how to navigate. I mean, that's, uh, that's uh, like how I see it. And, and this year, you know, with the stage win podiums, you know, up top second Dakar, what do we, what did we come up with? I think is your, your youngest stage winner on a bike. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. So, you know, I think that this was, uh, you know, I think it's a fluke, you know, just, yeah. and, but nobody is, uh, nobody is, 
exempt from that on a rally this big. You know, yeah. you're going to have issues. You're going to have problems, small, big, whatever. It's just going to happen. Um, so I think that you did a hell of a job, you know, proving a point. And uh, yeah, it, in the end, it didn't necessarily pan out how we, we all hoped, but you got a game plan. Yeah, I think I'm really glad that you do these podcasts with me because now I all I have to do every year is come back and re-listen to our podcast. Like, what was my problems? What did I what did I realize? What do I need to work on? Like, listening to your podcast, it's like I don't know the word, but it's a it's, book. It's, it's a bookmark. Uh, yeah, it's it's like a diary. Oh, there you go. Of everything, you know, and yeah. well, I feel I'm like happy. I forget. So you, uh, you are keeping it in the world. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm happy to do that. I mean, and that's and that's what I said. I I said it in the intro. You didn't hear the intro, but that's what I was like. Episode ninety nine. So that way, it's you know forever. <laughs> whenever it is, whenever it's time to recall it, you're episode ninety nine. <laughs> I was saying ninety eight would have been better. Actually, Lexi was thinking that. Yeah. But, okay. I mean, I could uh, always re-record the intro. No. <laughs> Why 98? So, Give me the background. Now, I didn't finish number nine, right? So Klein is not number nine anymore. I'm thinking announcement is being made right now. I've ran number 98 at Abu Dhabi last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I went with number nine this year, um, like I was thinking I didn't want to do it because obviously everybody is around number nine. And everybody that's run number nine has really good success, mm-hmm. except for me. Oh man! But I'm thinking I run ninety-eight. Oh yeah, but the reason why I ran number nine? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't remember what I'm talking about so much anymore. Running number nine, and we were talking yeah. about. I know um, Skyler ran, ran it right. Skyler, Ricky, everybody, everyone that ran number nine got a top five or a podium or something or one. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking I'm going to run 98 because I didn't get number nine. And the reason why you run number nine or why I chose number nine is I was told that the lower number wins a tiebreaker. Right. And, um, I guess it's just not true. Um, so at the prologue, I guess it wasn't a perfect tie, but I was tied with like two other people mm-hmm. to this, maybe three other people. And it was the difference between being like 18th and like 15th or whatever. Yeah. In the end, I'm glad I was 18th because it puts me closer towards the front where I like to be with less tracks. Mm-hmm. But, um, I guess the rule now is the winner of a tiebreaker on a stage is the one who had a better result the day before. And I was also thinking that's really silly because you're punished. Like it's just the person gets punished, right? For doing good the day before and tying with someone else. I mean, for me, I like to start further forward, but let's say you tie with someone for first place on the stage, right? Mm-hmm. and some people I mean that's a bad example everybody wants to win the stage let's say you tie for second and third and um, the guy who's in third is like winning the overall and the guy in second um, 
like 50th overall. But the guy in second, since he had bad stages the day before, he gets to go after the guy who's overalling it. And um, he has one track ahead of him. And nobody likes to be near the front with zero tracks, mm-hmm. except for me. Basically, the, the winner of a tiebreaker loses. That's what I'm trying to say. Ends up, ends up losing, yeah. Sorry. I, I'm huh? having a problem. Clearly. It's early in the morning. Yeah. The you know it's and that's interesting. It's like they they change that rule, and yeah, I don't know that it that kind of sucks because you never know. Like, could have had a really good stage and then a really bad stage. I mean, it's it's the Dakar. You never know. I don't know if it's necessarily the fairest fairest way yeah. of doing it, but. I mean, in the end, I mean, the goal is you just focus on your own ride and, you know, and make it happen. I, on my, from my end, I think that you should get, uh, do number nine again for next year and, uh, prove your point. Yeah, but I didn't the get revenge. number thing. Like, I don't want to pick a number I didn't get. Yeah. How do you, you have to petition for the numbers? Uh, well, um, and Andalusia mm-hmm. at the last round. Here, they came up to me on the start of the last stage. I said, "What number would you like?" I said, "Number nine because that's where I finished." But I guess the other reason why I don't want to run it is if I run ninety-eight, it's like a family number, you know. Uh, okay. So then that's like a tattoo. <laughs> that's like a tattoo without a meaning. So I would say ninety-eight then, if it's a family number. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good I point. Think like- numbers look dumb and the single digit number looks sweet but i'm not gonna run a single digit number if i didn't earn it uh, that's that's admirable then it'll be the number one plate you know yeah that was me knocking on wood <laughs> but no i mean you i mean at the end of the day i mean you've you've proven you've done all of this stuff i mean you've worked your ass off you know what you're training on you know what you need to do so it's you know you're focused on it which is awesome and yeah, yeah. if I was, uh, if I was on pro teams, yeah. If I was team principal, I would definitely be looking very, very hard. You know? Yeah. I really want to be on a factory team. <laughs> so for all the, uh, KTM and Husqvarna team principals of the world that are listening to this, <laughs> what are you waiting for? <laughs> I told my mom and dad, it's like a, it's like a mental thing, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can have whatever. And be the best rider. But when I line up every day, it's like I know that these guys have um, like this year's a bad example, right? Besides the fact that we had to pay for the motorhome. Mm-hmm. But like these guys have always had motorhomes and like chefs and they train everywhere throughout the year. I trained in America mm-hmm. and races. They have like a coach with giving them like talking about strategy and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like the idea that they're the factory rider, you know, mm-hmm. you line up day already feeling at a disadvantage, I guess, because it's like, how do you not look at these guys and think they have everything better, you know? Yeah. Like, I understand you can do good. But for me, it's like I think a lot, you know? And. Yeah. But I mean, it's again, 
yeah, they might have, they have the fanciness, they have all of these, you know, resources and everything, you know, which you're on your way to, but the fact that you can do it, like I, to me, you know, look, you know, from the outside looking in, right, you see this and you go, okay, well, if we give them nothing, you know, minimal support, minimal this, minimal that, what can they do with nothing? Because if they can do what they do with nothing, what will they do with everything? Yeah. You know, that's what I, you know, as a team manager, that's what I would want to see. You know, like I, you know, if everything's just handed to you, you don't know how to earn it or you don't know how to appreciate it, then you get on a team, then you're just going to be a prima donna and we're going to have to hire a babysitter. Yeah, that was the other thing I said. I don't want to, I want to, I don't want to be the princess. I don't want to sound like a princess, even though I definitely sound like a princess, I guess. But also, I want to win. And like, very grateful for all the support from everyone and everything. But it's like, I'm just, I'm being a real princess right now, you know? Um, nobody needs the 52s, right? Like, everybody always talks about the 52s. This is just an example. I never even, I've never complained about not having 52s before. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you're going to help someone, but only help them like halfway, you know, like you said, cause I mean, there's a reason why. Yeah. Ah. It just makes you think. Yeah. They don't love you, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, I could, you know, <laughs> I, I, I see what you're saying, but you know, I don't think like, uh, you know, I, I get it. You know, you want to, you want to be there already and it's because you're hungry. And I think that's why you're feeling that. Like and, I understand everything, right? Like I understand that mm-hmm. you should, everything needs to be earned. And this year was not a year saying that I earned anything because I didn't even finish. But also like as a person who just wants to win, normally you keep this stuff to yourself, right? Like, you just want to win. Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like if you don't tell people that you want a factory bike, you don't get a factory bike, you know? Yeah. Like if you don't say something, you don't get something. Mm-hmm. Well, so yeah. I like, well, the answer is always no, if you don't ask, right. I don't know yeah. how many times we've all heard that one. So, yeah, but I'm pretty sure the factory knows your name. I've got a, I've got a hunch. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk. So stage two, right. Top spot on the box. Yeah. What was stage three? Like, um, lining up. And I mean, after, you know, like, okay, I just put this thing on the top box. Um, mental in the morning, woke up I, any other morning. What was that like? Um, so I got really lucky that Skylar got second, I think. Uh, Bueller uh, on stage two it was Bueller and then it was Skylar. Uh, Skylar got third. Third. Mm-hmm. But Skylar first one to catch me. I think I was thinking Bueller and Skylar, not very intimidating guys because like I was talking to I've been talking to Bueller a lot at the races mm-hmm. and Skylar. Mm-hmm. Not like the Honda guys. Mm-hmm. Or just as an example, you know? Yeah. And it's like it doesn't feel so stressful. Um like I was just like, we're just going out for a ride, you know? Like Skylar's behind me. It's just like training. Mm-hmm. And that was really good. Nice. I think the the stage that I was nervous about starting up front, not even up front, like third, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like there's like a bunch of Honda guys behind me, and some of them look pretty scary. 
they just looked like great people. And I don't remember which stage it was, but there was a stage where I said, what am I doing up here? You know? Yeah. A little bit of a reality check. Yeah. It was like, uh, I think it was a dune stage and I was like, I don't belong here. That's how I felt. Yeah. You know? See, that was probably, that was three. Yeah. I mean, well, you do, first of all. I mean, it's good that you don't feel that way because then that keeps you humble, which is, I think is, is awesome. I think anybody that hangs out with you guys, the whole, literally the whole family, uh, is understands that, you know? And so I think that you're definitely on the right track. And I mean, I, you know, it was, I see it right now as like with Skylar, right? When Skylar did what he did, uh, at the Dakar and, and just all in, it was kind of like, okay, come on. Like when, when is this, like, is anybody on a factory team? Like, do they know what the hell they're doing? Because he obviously needs to be on a factory team. He needs that support. He's obviously proven himself. And I think that you're literally in the same boat as him right before he got signed. Yeah. So I think it's just like, it didn't happen often, but like it did happen to where it's like, you start thinking they're the factory rider, you know, who am I? Well, <laughs> that's the thing. You were the privateer <laughs> that was up mixing it up and rubbing elbows with the, uh, with the factory guys. So it's just like a lot of mental stuff in racing. I think for me, yeah. I mean, that's part of it. I think, you know, especially at the Dakar, it's all, you know, and talking, I was talking to Mo about it. And it's the same thing as like, it's all mental game. Rider fatigue is one thing, but you know, the, the thing that will fatigue you faster is your mentality. Yeah. And so I think, you know, again, I mean, you, what you've, what you put together and the results and everything, you know, for this rally, again, it wasn't the, wasn't what we expected, but at the same time where you were at and going into it, like any, but any one of the other competitors that were behind you or in front of you could have literally had the same thing happen. No one was exempt. So mm. The fact, though, that you're, you know, put a stage win, put the thing on the box, you got podiums, you got all of this stuff, you know, stop to help, you know, you still had fun, you were still out there. I mean, all, all of that stuff is just, it's awesome. So I think that, you know, that it speaks very highly of you, you know, for, yeah. the, for the future rallies and all that. So what's, what are you looking for? Uh, what's the next rally? What are you thinking? Do you already have plans yeah. for that? Yeah, we're going to Abu Dhabi because I want to ride in the dunes. I need to ride in the dunes. Mm-hmm. And everyone's going to be there. Nice. So I should be there. There you go. Are we going to see you at Sonora? Yeah, I hope so. Okay. I live here, so if I miss this one and I went to every other one, that would be really bad, I think. Yeah. I, I better be able to race it. Nice. <laughs> I hope to be able to race it. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Hey, I want also... Yeah. Okay. Besides complaining about everything podcast <laughs> um i'm gonna complain about one more thing it's not actually a complaint i'm just when we did uh a training with ktm mm -hmm. like we went to sonora mm -hmm. we rode in the dune in the training i get caught like 60 kilometers into the dunes like easily but then in the race i do better nice. but because we did the training with the KTM guys, mm -hmm. I'm like, this is the competition. And in the training, like, I'm the worst. 
it's like another thing that makes me even more nervous, you know? It's like they're gonna they're coming to our town. And they're gonna smoke me. <sighs> you uh, know? You know, I okay. Yeah. It's the in racing, that's right. You have the home field advantage. This is your backyard, and they build it up to be, you know, all of this stuff. But I don't know. I think, you know what? I think it's going to be interesting, right? Because it's my understanding that the organization is the one that does the road books. I don't know if they're like, like, are they flying out here? Are they verifying it? You know, how are they going to do this? And and so I think this could be interesting navigation wise yeah. and, and that stuff. But then also at the same time, how much of that? Yeah, it's their home turf and all that stuff. But you're used to riding here. So even in the off-road side of it, you're going to have an advantage, just like I think you had advantages in, you know, you, Skyler, Ricky, all of the guys that are used to racing in the deserts down here are going to have an advantage. Where I feel like we'll have the confidence that we've been here before. Mm-hmm. And like, for sure, I'm confident about that. Yeah. But like, I need to find confidence starting in the dunes, you know? Yeah. I, you know, it, it that it's interesting because i knew like last last year after we talked in the 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 conversation that never happened um i'm forever gonna call it that you know you were very specific on what you were working on and after this rally and kind of seeing what happened like i almost could guess that that was what you were going to come back with is this that you know yeah definitely get focused on the dunes and and work more and work harder on that that side of it and practicing it it I've not really ridden the dune. I'm not a dune. Like I don't go to Glamis. I don't do any of the sand buggy stuff or side by sides or, or much less even on a two wheel motorcycle. But I just feel like that is just such a hard thing to learn to have the confidence and, and be able to do that. I mean, what, what do you see? I need to be in the dunes. So I understand the dunes. Cause I feel like even the guys opening in the dunes, mm-hmm. like they can open faster than I can ride it. I think, they see the dune and they know if they can launch off of it or if they're going to stick into it and go over the bars. And I think if I'm just in the dunes, I learn to understand how dunes are. That's what I need. So I don't understand the dunes. Yeah. yeah. I understand. Like if you see bushes in the desert, there's water there and maybe you hit something in the area and there's going to be an edge where the water went through and you go over the bars. Like I understand yeah, I feel like I understand the desert, mm-hmm. but I don't understand the sand. Yeah. Yeah. You can see, I mean, going into a corner, the breaking bump, breaking bumps are bad or whatever, you know, that, that maybe that corner is a little bit, you know, more, uh, sharper than you think it is, or there's, there's tricks to reading the terrain, but yeah, dunes is, is kind of difficult, especially, uh, the face of them, you know, it's like you almost, you don't know until the very last second that, Oh, yeah. this is steep you know, on the other side. Yeah. And also I must drag the back brakes a lot in the dunes because on the marathon stage, mm-hmm. I came no back brakes. And then the next stage, I also had like no brakes the whole time. Really? Yeah. So I learned and I asked Skyler, he said, um, I think Luciano like slams the brakes at the top mm-hmm. and like gasses it down and goes really fast. Like he doesn't jump so much. Other riders jump a lot. Like he, I think he's hard on the brakes from what I've seen also. Mm-hmm. They have brakes all day. So I'm just, I'm doing something wrong. Yeah. Huh. 
That sounds, yeah, that's a, that would be an interesting one to find, like kind of figure out what that is. I mean, that's, you know, dragging the brake pedal versus slamming on it. I mean, it wears out by dragging and not necessarily locking it up. Sounds like Luciano's locking it up right up at the top. Dude, I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> that like, it's such a crazy thing here. Like, yeah, we got another, uh, who's this guy? Uh, send a voicemail. And popular yeah. day. But I need to be, I need just to learn. Just got to learn. That's what I learned. Got to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's, it's crazy. But I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I think you, you know, like you said, if you're already thinking like, okay, we'll go to Abu Dhabi, train in the dunes, do all of this stuff. You've already got the other side of the recipe. You know, you've got your, you've shown your speed. You've shown that you can navigate. And so, I mean, it's like, you're just working on the things that you know you need to work on. Motorhome, nutrition, the recipes there. You know, the bike was there. How was the bike this year? Did you, was there any changes to the bike from last year to this year? Or the bike yeah, you riding? we made some new settings and it was pretty good. I just, I don't know, had no problems, really. I don't think I had a bike problem besides water. Yeah. yeah the, the water's been an interesting conversation, especially after they said they weren't going to have that happen again because they were going to take precautions. Yeah. But, yeah, that was a bummer. Uh, nice. Well, what's, uh, how soon, well, you still got to do a little bit more recuperation before you get out on the bike. Yeah. I have no idea when I'll ride again. Yeah. No. <laughs> hey, you gotta take your time and then get uh, get stronger. Now you know what you need to work on. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Okay, so if I'm gonna go do these uh, this Dan Bart SoCal rally, what should I be getting ready for? Um, I'm doing the Moto Minded Tower on the 501. I think it's cold. Okay. So warm. Uh, I know last year there was a cow and someone hit a cow. Yeah. Or I think so it was, don't go wide open around blind turns. Copy. Oh, I'm going to um, trail ride this thing. I am not. <laughs> for all those yeah. listening, I, I want to make sure they understand my abilities. I am like a novice intermediate rider, not intermediate to fast rider. Yeah. You don't really win anything if you finish first every day. So just be careful. This is true. The roadbooks are super good, and you find zero issues with them. Okay, so that's good. So I can eliminate blaming the roadbook for when I ride off into the sunset. Yeah, if you go the wrong way, it's your fault. It's not the road. <laughs> Check. I that out also. Yeah. Um, okay. Last year, it was kind of windy, and this one guy, Scotty Broman, his easy up flew away, and someone else's tent, I think. Okay. Are you staying in? No, I think I'll take my, I have a small enclosed trailer. I'll probably stay in that. Okay. Just put some like wheel chocks on it or something and it won't fly away. <laughs> Just keep it tight. Well, I do have an easy up, but yeah. So tie that thing down. Yeah. Tie down really good. Yeah. Okay. So um, stuff to stay warm, practice road books, watch out for the wind. Don't go full send around blind corners. Yes. <laughs> Anything else to add about the Bahara or the SoCal? SoCal it's pretty good, huh? Make sure, you fuel. Make sure you bring enough gas. Okay. Full tank uh, every day. Don't screw around. Yeah. Um, I plan to be there 
Nice. Mo said, Mo said he would ride with me. So I'll just watch you ride off into the distance <laughs> and probably ask you for navigating tips. Yeah, that'd be good. I'll try to just be there, you know, yeah. have fun. Go yeah. the right way. Not get lost. There you go. Go out have fun. Try to finish every stage. There you go. Show everybody the fast way around the desert. I'll probably be on like a 500 because my rally bike doesn't work anymore. Uh-oh. Just remembered. Oh, no. That was the other yeah. one. I, I was really thinking about that. Like, should I just ditch the 501 and ditch the 790 and then go all in on a RFR? But then I think like, uh, but uh, I don't know, longer Baja rides and stuff like that might not be the deal. It's sweet. But if you ride in Mexico and you're going to go in the whoops, I don't think Skylar recommends it in the whoops. No. Stick with I think the... Andrew Short took it in the whoops, the Yamaha. It's like Supercross whoops. <laughs> that just sounds like a tough day. <laughs> yeah. I trail ride whoops. I'm the guy looking for lines outside of the whoops, just to be yeah. perfectly clear. <laughs> yep. I avoid them like the plague. Nice. Well, cool. Well, I'll let you get to it. I know you guys were talking about going out either breakfast or some doing some therapy stuff. So getting lined up yeah. again. No problem. But Thank nice. you, Vic. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time and, and welcome back stateside, both you and your dad. Glad you guys are back and uh, look forward Thank to you. hanging out with you guys soon. Yeah. Sorry for just talking in circles a couple of those times and no, crying. No worries. Yeah. It is early in the morning. We are, we are allowed. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Dude. Well, cool. Well, enjoy the day and uh, we will see you on a bike soon. Thank you, Victor. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Bye. All right. See ya. All right. So that is a wrap. That was Mason Klein. So bright and early in the morning, got stuff to do. He's got a busy day ahead of him, but we really appreciate him taking the time. And yeah, I mean, there's some things. So we know time bonuses are good. That speed limit, that overall 160 kilometer speed limit, eh, you know, I don't know. Uh, that may be one of the things going away. I know they really want to work on slowing down the Dakar and slowing down the riders and that kind of stuff. I think they're getting closer to doing that. Uh, but yeah, I don't know that that's going to be the way an overall speed limit like that or, or how they how they could do that. You know, I don't know if, um, if they're able to program the Sentinel or the, the ERTF unit, uh, to have that at all times or, or what could be done. Um, but there's gotta be some stuff, you know, I'm glad to see the organization is working on it. We've got a lot coming up, uh, for it. You know, we got a whole nother rally, whole nother few rallies. You guys have heard, I just literally, as of this morning, I'm like, okay, well maybe I should just try and do this thing. So we're going to, we're going to work on that. Uh, go see the, uh, socal rally and do that and and yeah and man i got busy day uh today you guys don't know what day it is but today i'm actually uh this is already the second interview i've got another one coming up and possibly even a fourth in the same day we're bringing you guys a bunch of stuff so i'm absolutely glad to be back the dakar thing is a little bit difficult at times you know waking up early reading results and then coming up you know looking at, at what the interviews are and what to do uh but i'm glad to be back in the rhythm of the regularly scheduled episodes talking to guys getting some game plans going and making things happen so i'm absolutely excited for it again thank you to mason for taking the time and then of course you heard uh his mom lisa and his dad larry chiming in as well 
I really appreciate that. And, and again, that, that family has always been very, very welcoming. They've had a lot of visitors from afar that go out and do training. If you guys aren't already, you should be following Mason, uh, on Instagram. If you're a subscriber, you get to see some of the back end stuff. I got to see it. Didn't bother sharing it because, well, you know what? It's uh, it's cool to just have him, you know, be accessible and have be able to see some of his adventures and what he is doing, uh, either being out at the Dakar or even training here. Uh, some of the recommendations and things that he goes through. He's also got his YouTube. If you haven't already checked it out as well, it's Rally with Mason. Uh, definitely want to get up on that as well. So anyway, with that being said, it's time to go wrench on a bike. So remember, it'll make sense when you get there. Enjoy the ride. All right, that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and, of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week.